All right, welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week, and I'm joined with uh, Mr. Mark Cantrell of the Legends and Champions Report. How you doing, Mark? Good. Thank you very much, David. All right. I forgot to mention that today is April 23rd, 2015. So, this week... Day. St. George's Day, what's that? St. George's Day, so, um, St. George is the patron saint of England. Oh, really? So it's, a, it's a big day in England, so for European fans, uh, English fans, happy St. George's Day. Sorry, just thought I'd throw that in there. No, thank you for doing that. Is that the equivalent of, like, uh, St. Patrick's Day? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, St. Patrick's the patron saint of Ireland, and St. George is the patron saint of uh, England. Ah, wow. He, he, he played a dragon. That is interesting. I did not know that. Thank you for that. Oh, it's what we grew up doing it, slaying dragons. And stuff yes, like that. of course. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And going to Hogwarts is kind of a, a tradition. Casting spells and yeah, all that other kind of good stuff too. <laughs> That's what all English countryside people do, don't they? <laughs> it's what we do. Yeah, and I know the Queen. So yeah, okay. Gotcha. If anybody's wondering. Yes, absolutely. All right, in the in the headlines this week, Mark. Um, in the headlines this week, you know we just got over the uh, Super Billiards Expo, 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 Expo. They had. Uh, ow, 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 I ow. know Sunday, Sunday. They had a nice little tournament going on there. They had some professional ten ball. Uh, they had the women's nine ball, and they had one pocket too. Um, so we have to send out props to uh, what Jason Brown. And uh, Dennis Orcoyo for taking the 10 ball. And to Don Hopkins won the woman's nine ball there. So that was pretty spiffy. Um, yeah. Don Hopkins, I mean, she's a, she's a good player and everything. But uh, you don't see much, much of her, you know, yeah. uh, these days. And uh, I think there were some good players in that field as well. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, well, there was, and there was uh, in the men's fields, too, from what I understand. The uh, the 10 ball was a pretty hot item. Uh, there was a lot of good players in that matchup. So what else was going on? Um, well, you know, uh, the the Expo was a points event, wasn't it? Well, Scotty Cup points event, exactly, yeah. So, uh, I don't have the list in front of me, but I know that, uh, you know, the top three on that list qualify. I think there's five more events to mm-hmm. go, mm-hmm. Um, but there's been a few events already taking place. You know the Rio Bar Table Championship, and um, well, uh, what else was that? Um, Let's see. There's the U.S. Oh, Open. The, the, uh, WCT. Yeah, U.S. Oh, well, you're talking Turning Stone Derby City. What's it, what's counted so far? Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's been five events so far. Including uh, the Super Billiard Expo, and there's four more coming up. There's the Open Eight Ball, Ten Ball, Turning Stone in August, and then the U.S. Open. Okay. Yep. Sounds sounds about right. As I think a, we're missing something, but I can't remember what it is. No, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Um, don't don't make me remember it right in the middle of uh, of the show here. So that puts. That's okay. 
we know there's more to come, that's all. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there's the other rankings still to be set. And as it is right now, Matchroom has them sitting with Shane on top of the pile by 23 points with 53. Uh, Bergman and Scott Frost. Justin Bergman and Scott Frost in second. Tied for second with 30 points. Uh, Jeremy Saucy at 29 and Skyler at 25. That's your top five players uh, as far as the Moscone rankings are concerned. Yep. Yeah, uh, see, uh, this is it's probably a good thing for Mark Wilson. Uh, I mean, Shen's uh, ahead quite a bit, and he's probably going to be the captain's pick no matter what. So if he qualifies just on merit, then that gives him an extra pick that he didn't have to do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Give him something else to choose from. So you got the Bergman, Scott Frost. See Jeremy is just one point off of the two of them too, so that's not even that's a toss up either way. Matter of fact, Skyler's not even that far behind. The deficit from Corey Duell at sixth place on the list to Justin Bergman in second is only six points. So it's really anybody's race, I think, at this point. There, you know, one person misses an yeah, event. Yeah, anything can happen. Uh, it, it, to me, it's going to be a matter of who. I, I, this sounds so cliche. Who wants it the most? Right. And when I say that, I don't just mean your drive to win a tournament. So don't go to not win tournaments. It's the going out to turning stone. I, I'm, I'm talking mainly about people like Oscar Dominguez or Scott Frost or somebody from the West Coast. Uh, that the flight and the hotel is very expensive to go out there and do that, and you're not forced to win. I mean, you know, you don't got to win or get in the cash or get many points. Right. So it's really about getting out there and doing it. And uh, hopefully, have a good showing at each of these uh, things to stay on top of. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's kind of funny because, just like you said, if you really want it, that's the only way that you're going to take the time and effort to do it. Because, like you said, sometimes it's just expensive trips to get a few points. <laughs> so, you got to really want to get out there and get them. All right. Well, um, you know, we're going to do something a little different this week, Mark. Uh, we're going to make a time capsule. So, uh, I want everybody to stick around, and uh, for that, it's going to be a little bit of fun. But first, we're going to get you into the one-minute pool instructor for the week. We'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Scott Lee. Hey, this is Randy G. And welcome to the one-minute pool instructor. We got some uh, neat things to talk about this week, Randy. Uh, we're going to talk about this trip that uh, Randy made recently uh, to China. You were in, invited by the uh, Chinese government, weren't you? Wow! Well, uh, yeah, I had a. You have to have a sponsor. Okay. So my sponsor was Henry Chen, who is the president of the WPPA, very simply the World Pool Players Association. <laughs> and then yes, I met with uh, 
not only the pool association there, but with the Chinese government for several days, and we worked out several several things that they were looking for. And they were looking for a couple of things in specific, weren't they? They were looking for a way to establish a league, an eight, American eight ball league structure. Oh, absolutely, uh, bar table American eight ball league. Yes, and, and they also wanted to establish a formal instructional program so that they could put teachers into colleges to teach pool. Oh, and that's absolutely correct. I uh, spent uh, one whole day at Shenyang University um, with the university president, um, and they off actually offered me a tenure to come back for a teach for a year and teach billiards. Wow, that would be uh, impressive. You know, there there had to be several people that had <clears throat> the uh, the knowledge and the experience to do oh, something like oh, that. I think there was five very capable people now that it's all said and done and I've seen their list of candidates of, of uh, oh I'm, I'm impressed of, of who they thought could do the job. Well to me it would be natural that you, you would be the person chosen in that you had 25 years of league experience, you had the larg largest BCA league in, in America for 25 oh, years. Plus I was an APA and a VNEA league operator, not only BCA, but I mean, yeah, I, mm -hmm. I established some of the first leagues in, in Texas. But Swell was huge. Oh yeah, it's the largest BCA league in the world. And then uh, of course you, you uh, uh, had the uh, the Texas Express thing. Oh, that oh, went on for a long time. Oh, that's another 25 years, doing 40 tournaments a year around the country. Uh, and so I'm, I'm very schooled in not only how to run a tournament, but how to promote a tournament, how to market yourself. And, and yeah, the McDermott Company did a fantastic job. They're sponsoring us for a long time. And in there, I got to say kudos to John McChesney and Robin Adair, my partners with Texas Express. And, and we invented our own rules, and here they are today again. Still working. Yeah. And then, of course, you've been a master instructor for 35 years and, I, and it I, helped train many of us. I think they looked at all of that. And, and the number one thing that the Chinese government was, was looking for is somebody with credentials. And of course, I am a master instructor. I have the PBIA. I, um, it just goes on and on and on. So when they chose me, I was surprised. But I, I, when I looked at the list, I, I was uh, uh, very humble. You know, there are a lot of good people that they were they were interviewing. Did I hear correctly that uh, you met with the vice president of the country? Of the country, right? Um, wow. We spent uh, several hours together, and and uh, he gave my sponsor. Uh, 30 years television rights for putting league play on television in China. Wow. Yeah. It's, Wish it's, we could get that here. Well, you know, it, it, <laughs> once again, it's all paid for. It's a little bit different government in China than we have here. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, uh, the, the, the two things that we accomplished is now Henry Chen from the WPPA has an eight ball league started. All right. So we've got that thing already started. And as far as me going back to China and teaching for a year and, and teaching instructors, Scott, not, right. not students, right. but getting instructors into the program so that they can teach students on a regular curriculum in college, there's 25 universities there, um, that's still in the air. Mm -hmm. um, I've signed a contract, it's a, a nice healthy contract. Now whether or not they want to follow up on that or not, that's up to them. Sure, and, absolutely. And I guess I could go over there for a year and, and you know, Scott, maybe you'd come along if I didn't have to pay you. Uh, I don't know about that, Randy. We might have to talk about All that. All right. So. <laughs>
Well, listen, that's some pretty exciting news, and uh, we'll talk about this some more the next time on American Billiard Radio. Uh, for uh, One Minute Pool Instructor, I'm Scott Lee. And this is Randy G. And we'll see you next week. Okay, and we're back, and I'm talking with Mark Cantrell of the Legends and Champions Report. And uh, before we get into our, uh, our little timeline piece here, uh, time capsule piece, I should say, I uh, did want to mention that a little bit later on in the show, we are going to be hearing from uh, Mr. Mike Howerton and uh, a little bit more from Mark, too. He talked to Ray Hansen about the event that's about to fire up tomorrow. Uh, with 16 of the top players from around the country battling it out for some a nice little band, uh, bags of sand there. So uh, stick around for that. And, as it were, Mark, what we're going to do here is uh, we're going to pretend like we're talking to uh, the pool playing community either 100 years from now in the future or 100 years in the past. What we want to do is just describe for them what is going on in our pool world right now, just so that they will have a, a you know a window back, a hundred years from now when they dig these uh, recordings out of uh, a pile of rubble after the nuclear holocaust. <laughs> they can dig that, these. It's not nice to be cheery, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's a time capsule. You know what I mean, so that people can yeah, look back. I like that. At uh, what was going on in the culture right now, today, in 2015. So, like I said, you could address it as far as telling somebody in the future what it's like. Or think back what pool was like 100 years ago. And if you could have a conversation with one of them, uh, you know, what would you tell them? Uh, how different things are uh, than, than what it was back then, you know. Either way, so you can kick it off, uh, my friend, Marcus. What what is going on in the world of pool in 2015? It's an interesting concept, this, isn't it? Um, you know, the, the only uh, to 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 go back and talk to somebody from a hundred years ago. Yeah. Obviously, you've got to give them the information because they didn't know what was coming, but we know what is past. Right, and so. Trying to explain to a avid pool fan, a pool player, from a hundred years ago, about simple things that we take for granted, like a jump shot. Yeah, yeah you, you, what you do is you've got these special phenolic tips and special cues called jump cues, and we, if you if you are uh, snookered by another ball. Yeah. All you simply do is you jack up over it and you pop it and, and it yeah. with this phenolic tip it'll bounce straight over the ball and hit yeah. and and there's no foul. <laughs> and from a hundred years ago I, I can only imagine what the other fellow's gonna say. Hold on a second, so it's something called phenolic? Special cue and you jump over the top of another ball, well that that's cheap, isn't it? <laughs> that's cheap. You can't do that. Yeah, that's probably what they would it, say. It, the simple, simple things to me like that, and we we don't we no longer play on woolly mammoth cloth. Uh, uh, We've right. got this stuff now called championships and Simona's cloth, and it's uh, it's a, a, a really bright blue. 
What's a TV? <laughs> That's what they would say a hundred years ago. They would say, what is a... First of all, they would want to know what a TV is. Second of all, they would say streaming. Inter- inter- internet. What? Wait a minute. And you could, you know... Have you never heard of Justin Collette and Big Truck <laughs> and Daniel Bush? That's right. Come that's on. right. The streamers, don't you know? We watch our pool on the interwebs these days. Uh, you know, it's like a telephone, except for you can see what's going on on the other side of the planet. <laughs> it, it, it's actually... It, 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 it's so stupid to think about it to somebody a hundred years ago that it, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. Right, There's no right. way you could, they could comprehend they, yeah. half of the differences that are going on. Yeah, we've got these Aramis uh, Pro TV, Pro Cup TV balls. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's the difference between them and the clay balls I'm playing with? Yeah, or the ivory, the old junked up ivory balls that we're playing with. Oh yeah, and, and so how do they how do they comprehend it? They can't, and I guess in a hundred years from now, somebody will be doing the same thing. Well, here's one for you. How about air conditioning a hundred years ago? <laughs> uh, did they have air conditioning? You know, they really didn't. Ha- they had you know a, a gas heat, and they had ceiling fans. But, uh, you know, and they probably had a few water evaporator cooler type things going on uh, here and there. But, uh, you know, there was nothing as there was no air conditioning as we know it. So the conditions and, that people played. Well, well you're you know, the historian. You're the historian here. What about when, when was uh, when did Brunswick start making tables? Uh, they started around 1845. So that's a pretty long ways. I mean, that's a long time ago. Okay. So they, they so if we said, well, you know, most of the major tournaments uh, now are played on diamonds mm-hmm. tables. Well, yeah, of course right. they're not even going to know what a diamond table is. What happened to Brunswick? They, right. They would not. As a matter of fact, anybody in any time period in history, up until the last twenty or thirty years, would wouldn't think of anybody but Brunswick when it came to professional pool as concerned. That's a big difference well, between... Well, Olhausen. Yeah, Olhausen. Well, no, no, nonetheless, I'm just saying that Olhausen's stint is pretty recent, too, as far as compared to someone like Brunswick. A hundred years ago, there was no no other name in pool but Brunswick. Now, they're like, everybody's involved in pool except for Brunswick. It's a 180-degree swap. So there, stick that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> what else do people play with? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, let's talk to the people in the future. Hey, people in the, 100 years from now, in uh, what is this, 2015? So we're 2115 in year 2115. Uh, we still use some cues, mostly, for the most part, that are wood. Some people use some fiberglass, uh, a little bit of carbon fiber. And every now and then you got a uh, a crazy person that tries to play with like an aluminum cue or a steel cue or some spring-loaded funny stuff. But for the most part, we still like our fancy collectible cues and, and ones that are well-made. Uh, the tables, 
that we use, you know, they're they're we've gone through a transition over the years. Pool in America was first played on big giant twelve or thirteen foot tables. They narrowed it down to ten foot tables for about a hundred years or so. And then they brought in the nine foot table. And uh, these days, even you'll have professional play even on three and a half by seven foot tables. Don't know what they're going to be playing with 100 years from now, but maybe it won't even involve a, a table at all. It's going to be like a, a levitation table. And <laughs> they're going to use their mind. I was, I, that's, that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah. Is that the balls are hovering above the table so you don't get you know scared so there's no friction but don't we want friction though you know you gotta have friction to make trick shots or to you know to make mass a shots around things otherwise you've got david david you're talking about you got to have friction to do the trick shots the balls are levitating off the freaking table bro <laughs> how much fancy do you want to get <laughs> how much trickier do you want to get than that yeah no i guess that's true that's the same. Like air, air hockey. Maybe it'll be, yeah, there you go. Maybe the balls will be hovering on a, a sheet of air. Or, you know, like you said, maybe it'll just be, a, it'll be three-dimensional pool where instead of just a table flat surface, you'll have uh, uh, holes in the air above the other holes. So there'll be 12 pockets instead of just six. That'd be fun. And the people <laughs> from 100 years from now are going to be talking to us about Oh, man, you should have seen the match I saw on Saturday. It was an intergalactic bonus ball right. event <laughs> that went down. And it uh, was a cryogenically rebuilt Efren Reyes, and he came back. <laughs> and he snapped it off against Earl Strickland, who did a color money intergalactic, and it was Uranus against Venus. That would be the that would be Earl Strickland 5.0, the the rebuilt version, the fifth rebuilt version of Earl Strickland. He'll be like a cyborg, and they'll have a, a you know, tissue regenerated you know, this, is, this is sounding silly. Well, that's it like a thousand. Silly. That's a thousand years from now. We're only talking about a hundred. You know, got to be fairly realistic. You no, know, you see, and that's the thing. And I'm not trying to be a. We still drive gas powered cars. <laughs> yes. We also have electric cars. Look, yeah. look at uh, the cell phones that we have in our pocket that are a computer. I have everything. I, I can survive with a cell phone. I can get in touch with anybody anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. 30 years ago, that wasn't possible. Oh, yeah, right. It Absolutely. was a dream. I've got, I, I talked to you about this earlier. I've got FaceTime on my iPhone. Right. And I can actually press this FaceTime button, and your face will come up, and we'll be talking to each other from... On the sides of the country. Right, absolutely. That, that was something that was in sci-fi movies 30 years ago. Oh, well, yeah, much less 100 years ago. You know, if you're talking right. to somebody so, from... So don't, as, as ridiculous as some of these things sound, don't think it. That is not possible. Uh, that's true. That's what's scary about it. If you think about the difference between 1915 and 2015, it, that's not that long of a period of time for as much has, has happened. You think about the advent of radio, television, the internet, network, you know, all the, the communication networks, period, satellite, space travel, medical technology in 100 years. It's, it's mind-freaking-blowing. 
you just put another hundred years onto that of that kind of de- you know fast development like we've gone through in the last hundred years. Add another hundred, so in twenty one fifteen, it's just like you said. It might be just like that. We might to make the jump to space travel overnight. You never really know. So this game of pool might be drastically different <laughs> than what it is today. Because it's, draft, it's drastically different than what it is 100 years ago. Back, you know, just around the turn of the century of 1900, the carom games ruled. They were playing, you know, balk line and then three cushion. And pocket billiards was sort of a side attraction that was relegated to bars and gambling houses. Pocket billiards became the mainstream and the carom games are the ones that have dwindled to it, their own hardcore fan base. So what's the next development? What do we go to after pocket billiards? More pockets, less pockets, you know, bigger tables, tighter tables, less pockets. What what is the development? We wouldn't we wouldn't have dreamed in 1915 that we'd be playing nine ball tournaments on seven foot tables with low deflection cues and balls that are impossible to destroy. If you want to dumb it all the way down. In 1915, they would have dreamed of playing a game of pocket billiards without wearing a, sh- a suit and tie, jacket <laughs> and tie. Not for a, yeah, not a professional contest. That's right. If you were if you were a pre- professional player, you were in a suit. It was a formal occasion because you know there's a, there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, Mark, obviously the the image that that the corporations wanted to maintain as far as the professionality, but also it was like an honor issue with some of these men. Back then, the people, their namesake, they had a lot more pride in who they were. So they wanted to dress to impress and they wanted to act professional because that was their reputation, period. There wasn't anything like the internet where they would get out and slander themselves or other people. You know what I mean? It was all about the honor back then. And uh, that's another difference between the, the temperament of play between then and now. You know, people uh, don't act as professional like they did. Well, yeah, it's it, it's too bad. You know, it's it's not it's not that long ago. This is it's not necessarily poor, but I'm talking about the dress, uh, the way people dressed, and the way people carried themselves. Even poor people. Uh, I, I I remember going on uh, summer holiday, summer vacation with my family, and we go to the beach. My dad was wearing a suit. Right, right. Shirt, tie, jacket, slacks. Right. I mean, that that was how you know a lot of times they they, they did it, mm-hmm. and that's not well. I mean, that's forty something years ago, but just going to just regular life people's I don't know maybe we've just got more comfortable with life more relaxed and that kind of thing and you know <laughs> part of me wish you say it was back that way you know I like I, you know go flying on an airplane it used to be an event I've, I've posted things about this before it used to be an event people would dress to go on a flight oh right exactly now you're trying to get flip-flops on and shorts and everything that you don't have to take off at the airport or what you have to take off is easy. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. and now uh, as opposed to going, the seats were bigger, they had meals on the planes. 
everything just seems like it was in uh, not too long ago. Things were a lot more classy. Well, you know, the, the, the traveling thing was, and, you know, you brought up a good point. Um, the difference in travel arrangements 100 years ago to now and the difference between travel arrangements, obviously, from now until 100 years from now. From between then and 100 years ago, you know, think about how long you, it took to get anywhere across the country or across the globe, for that matter. For you to take a trip, you know, out to St. Louis or out to L.A. or to New York, that took months. If I mean, unless you were on a train, and then it only took a week or two. <laughs> but you know, to uh, to drive eight or ten or twelve hours to go to a pool tournament, hey, that's not that big of a deal today. But the players back then did not have the luxury of being able to do that without having some serious Well, if they cash. had the luxury of having a vehicle, did they have that vehicle 200 years ago? Not, not very. <laughs> well, they did. Much. They did, but, uh, you know, obviously they were not very, uh, you know, you didn't, they were trucks and, and utility vehicles. These were not, uh, you know, luxury cars, but, obviously. And they didn't really have freeways and things like no. that. They weren't, certainly weren't going 75 miles an hour. So if you're a road player, <laughs> how far, how long does it take you to get from hey, let's go on the road yeah. and see if we can't make some money on the road and we'll start in L.A. and we'll end in New York. And we go, okay, well, we're starting in L.A. How long is it going to take you to get to Phoenix? Yeah. Right now, it's uh, you would have to go five hours, way. somewhere around there, five, six hours right. to get from L.A. to Phoenix. Think and that's on the freeway with a car that goes 75, 80, exactly. 80 miles an hour. Exactly, exactly. Where, yeah. where do you stop in between L.A. and Phoenix? Yeah, there's a couple of spots. Tombstone. No, anything <laughs> to write home about and how much money is going to be in that little old dunk town. Right, exactly, exactly. That's exactly my point, man. Unless you were a big, big-time big professional, you didn't have the means or the mode to go hopping across the country, going to tournaments and trying to win money and stuff. It was just not feasible to do it. You didn't have the time to do it. Uh, I mean, you could, uh, like I said, if you if you were a professional, you could because you're getting paid. You can afford train tickets and and uh, you know, the foods and provisions that you would need, but not not like we can today. We can get around, you know, from state to state, easy like easy as pie. And now here's here's another thing. You know, uh, yeah, I've done several tours with players across the country and. You know, they're most of the time somewhere around 10 stops per uh, tour. It takes about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, just setting that up in today's age with a cell phone and the internet where I can go on my laptop, I can go, okay, pool holes in um, Medford, Oregon. Right. Okay, reckon billiards, right there. There's a number. Let's look at the Facebook page. Okay, Dave Smith's the owner. Too black, good guy. Let me give him a quick call and see if we can stop by there. And if you get that answered, pretty quick. And even if he can't make a decision that moment, let's say if he wants to pay for an exhibition with professional players, he will get back to me within a day 
if I was to do it in the olden days, I've got to find some kind of phone book that tells me. And uh, do they even have a telephone? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. do they even have a phone? Right, exactly. So, so now I've got to find the address. Room. And I've got to write a letter. Right. Okay, so based on what we just talked about, <laughs> right, right, with the time frame it takes to get for you know Pony Express and all that stuff, you know, which probably took it up four four days, five days, mm-hmm. six days, maybe more to get from Phoenix to Medford, Oregon. Oh yeah, a easily. Long way. Yeah, easily that long. So, easily that long. So let, let's just, let's just say it's two weeks. I, I and he decides to look at the mail. He goes, "Oh, let me write this guy a letter back." Or maybe he don't wants to ignore me. I'm still waiting for him to get back to me. Right. Yeah. But, so. but if he decides to write a letter back, he writes a letter back, and it's another two weeks. It's a month for me to set up one tour stop. Right. Oh, yeah, easily that much. Easily. Oh, and then, of course, it was a revolution to get the telegraph involved. But even then somebody would send a telegraph message to somebody in another city and the the person on the other end, they might live 20 or 30 miles out of town and n- might not even come into town for a month before they get that message that somebody just sent them instantly across the country. So there was no reliable way until the network of telephones completely permeated the entire country. There was no reliable way to get a hold of anybody other than mail. And like you said, right. at, at at the very best, that was a couple of weeks either in either direction, then plus wait time and you know plus anything else that can go wrong with the mail being delivered at that point. But yeah, so the communications have completely revolutionized be, to being Staying able to do what we can do. How do you set up a pool tournament? You got to set right. up exactly what, six months in advance. Exactly, uh, at least to be able to put it in the newspapers, all the newspapers uh, across the, the country. And, and do you even put an ad in the newspaper across the country because you know that the people in L.A. aren't coming to New York? Right, exactly. Not ex- unless it's, it's for a whole bunch of money. Too much money. Right, exactly. Why are you going to spend, uh, uh, you know, literally three weeks on a train and spend a, you know several hundred dollars just to go all the way to New York and win a couple hundred dollars. That's they they weren't going to do it. I don't know. know how I don't know how I don't know how this business prospered and was able to have pro event. Well, I guess as time moved on, things got better and and things like that. But in the in the beginning, I don't know how many pool tournaments there actually were and how they marketed them, promoted them. Or, or anything else. It must have all been for just locals in local towns. For the most part, until the until the advent of the of the state tournaments, that's really when the organization level took off. When they started doing the state qualifiers. Now, that was just because the network, the communica- communication network, had built up to at, to an extent. That they could at least reach everybody in one state and pull everybody for that, you know, that was a pretty easy jump as far as the network of communication is concerned. Now, as we speak, this program is being listened to on other continents, and you know, with a click, the message is delivered right there in a couple of seconds, just instantly. 
that that's you know the difference is night and day it's unreal who who knows what yeah. they're going to have 100 years from now they're going to be looking at back at our internet going ha 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 they still have computers connected with wires you know who knows what so yeah sorry guys from the future we're doing the best we can <laughs> with what <Yeah>. we <laughs> what they probably have and, and this is uh, maybe even a uh, lame in comparison. They they maybe have instead of having the TV on top of a entertainment center like most people have, maybe it's just holographics that pop up and you right. can actually see the players yeah. playing in three D, four D, whatever. Yeah, you're in the room, right? You're in the room, so you can walk around the table and watch from any perspective that you want to. You know. Yeah, yeah. Again, these sounds like silliness. It's easier to compare nowadays to the olden days and uh, see what uh, they had to deal with. And but you know, we in 2015 we played on some more of the 60. <laughs> yes, they've got I think called the magic rack that makes the balls tight. So you, you know, and we break them from the box. We have jump sticks. Jump sticks, phenolic steps. That's that thing that Earl Strick wants to Well, and here... You've got so many tools, and uh, it's advanced so much, I, I, I'm not sure that, you know, just like golf, it's getting... Uh, uh, the equipment's making the job maybe a little easier than it was before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In some respects, in some respects. Um, I, I, you know, I guess that's something that the people a hundred years from now will get a, a giggle out of us talking about how good we are with our technology. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's certain improvements that make a difference, but, and there's some improvements that are, uh, it's an improvement in the way that something is made. It's either faster, cheaper, or better, but it doesn't change any aspect of the game. For example, you know, the slate or the balls, as long as they are of a certain tolerance, then there's nothing else that you can do to increase, you know, how a ball is a ball is a ball. A slate is a slate is a slate. It's a flat surface, perfectly smooth, and it's impervious to anything that the game, a normal game would throw at it. Now, the, the, I suspect the improvements will go along the lines, the way of uh, the cushions and maybe even the cues themselves. But, other than that, there's not a whole lot more that you can do as far as the technology of the game components. The game rules, I think, are going to be what's really going to be the difference between 2015 and 2115. I think I predict that the games that they will be playing will be as vastly different as what they were playing 100 years ago. Oh, I just I just saw a couple of things. <laughs> Uh-oh. You you watch the Superman movie where he goes to his thing over in Antarctica, wherever he's got those crystals, and he puts the crystals in, and his dad shows up on the oh, train. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> and he gives him advice. Hundred years from now, Scott Lee and Randy Gottlieb are not going to be selling DVDs. It's going to be a crystal that you pop in there, and Scott Lee and Randy are going to show up, giving you their, their advice. That's going to be the new way of doing that. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh, it could be. I know it's terrible, but... That's terrible. That's funny as hell, but that's terrible. All right. God forbid, though. I mean, hopefully they can I, I know. do some... Uh, enhancement on their faces make them look a little yeah. bit nicer or something yeah. like that so that it's not as 
off point. Yeah, they'll make the, the max headroom version of you that's perfect so that, you know, you don't... Exactly. <laughs> the computer regeneration of your likeness. Uh, I, I want to tell the future people one more thing just before we go. Uh, it is 2015. Uh, let's see. We still have 50 states, more or less, and then some various territories that we control. Um, this is, you know, uh, you know, U.S., United States of America. In, in case U.S. Is, you know, of A is not around anymore in 100 years. Um, the U.S. Open this year will be its 40th. Uh, Turning Stone is now on, what is 23, 24 Turning Stones. Uh, the Derby City Classic, uh, the 17th, was this year. The Super Bowl Expo was the 23rd this year. The U.S. Bar Table Championships, that was the 22nd this year. And the Junior Nationals have been held for 27 years in a row now. So, like I said, in 100 years, we'll see how many of these events are still being held and uh, you can truly celebrate if they are. <laughs> I'll tell you that. So, good luck. Best of luck to all of our uh, 2015 events. Yeah, I hope they're still around. I, it's, uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, do we do we know what's, what's going to happen? I mean, nobody lives forever. We know that. I don't sure. wish any ill will on anybody. Yeah. Maybe we'll uh, we'll get all the way up to like we'll, the 140th U.S. Open. <laughs> well, what happens when Barry goes? Right. What happens when Mark Griffin goes? Right. What happens when Alan Hopkins goes? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and, or me or you? It, or, it's gonna yeah. happen. Exactly. It's gonna happen. Who's who's gonna step in? Who's gonna take over the the reins sure. of the U.S. Open or the Super Bowl? Well, Super Bowl Expo. We know we've got Alan Jr. Who's probably going to take over that part? But uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it would be interesting. I wish I could go ahead in time a little, bit, you know, hundred years and see. Come back and give you a report. I charge I charge <laughs> on pay per view for that though. I there you go. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. That'd be totally awesome. So that's what we. That's why I decided to do this little piece. I figured it would be fun. Uh, you know, in the event that we as a race of humans are still around a hundred years from now, it'll be fun to look back at uh, and listen to this and see what uh, people were thinking about and talking about and all that kind of good stuff. So I think we put them all to sleep, put everybody to sleep now, Mark. So we got to go. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. It's been kind of interesting, kind of fun, uh, verging on the ridiculous <laughs> at course. times. Yes. But it's not, unrealistic if you were to open your mind so yeah that's true that is very true you never know what's going to happen in a hundred years from now um so anyway yeah you guys stick around uh and listen to mark is going to be talking with uh, big truck ray hansen so stick around we'll be right back Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. This is the Legends and Champions Report, brought to you by Neil's Garage Cabinets of Mesa, Arizona. And um, this week, well, we just got past the Super Billiards Expo, 
And uh, I, I guess there's plenty of things we can talk about, but what's happening right now this weekend is there's an event in Wisconsin, and I have on the phone the one and only Mr. Ray Hansen, Big Truck. How you doing, Ray? Hey, what's up, Mark? How you doing? I guess uh, you've probably been sat on the beach there in sunny Beloit, Wisconsin, uh, suntanning with frozen tropical drinks. <laughs> no, not at all. It's actually uh, cold at night here, but really nice during the day. It's beautiful right now here. Well, you probably don't get much time outside either, though. Um, no, you know. that's right. That's right. So t- tell us a little bit about the event. What is the name of the event uh, All Monsters or something like that? <laughs> no. Now, this is actually the Carom Room uh, Spring Classic is uh, what Dave Coles has named it. And um, it's going to have uh, 16 top players. Uh, it's a $2,000 entry. Uh, Dave Coles is adding 4000 to the prize fund. Now, who's Dave Coles? Uh, he's, he's Dave Coles, the owner of the pool room? Dave Coles is the owner, yes. That's correct. Okay. He's the owner of Carom Room. Okay. And... Um, and he, Go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I, you know he's he's adding four thousand to, to the tournament here, and um, yeah, it's just we're really excited. It's going to be a great event. I I, I called it the uh, all nothing but monsters. I think Scott Frost had posted that on uh, the internet. Do you have a, a list of players for me of who's playing yeah, that? the sixteen up. Yeah, we do. Um, uh, Mark, I'd like to start off by thanking you, you know, for uh, what you're doing. I've, I've uh, followed and listened to a lot of your interviews that you're you're doing here on uh, ABR, and I, re- I really like them. They're great. Thank you. I appreciate uh, your contribution to the sport here. Um, I'm going to pull up those um, those names here. This is eight ball. It's going to be uh, take what you make. So whatever whatever they make on the break, they have to stay with that. They cannot change uh, like in uh, BCA rules where you can change from Okay. Uh, to an open table after the break. So, um, you know, we're excited about that. And, uh, you know, the list of players is, is uh, phenomenal. Um, we've got uh, – we did have one player today that did uh, that had to drop out because of an emergency. And uh, he did not elaborate on what happened. But that's uh, Jason Shaw. Jason will not be in the tournament. Oh, wow, that's a shame. Yeah, he will not be able to make it. Yeah, we're really excited about about him. You know, he's just recently started playing more on the bar tables here, and um, so he's, a, be, uh, he's a hell of a player. Very exciting to watch. Yeah, awesome. And uh, so, uh, yeah, he will, he will not be making it. But the, the list of players that are in. I apologize. I'm working on pulling that up right now. I, I, I maybe I threw that at you a little bit fast. Yeah, I wasn't prepared on that one there. But the uh, list of players are um, uh, the young gun Sky Woodward from Kentucky, who's been uh, really tearing up everything lately, mainly in banks. But uh, he also uh, won two long races with Shane Van Boeing uh, down in Missouri, and uh, Shane will be there also. Uh, Bobby McGrath, the ESPN Speed Pool champion, who also plays great, uh, all games great. Uh, Larry Neville will be there. Larry is pretty much a local player there now. Uh, Corey Duell, who just won the big event down in, in Missouri, he'll be there to try to do it again. Justin Bergman, a Moscone Cup member. Uh, Jason Shaw will be replaced 
with uh, Eric Durbin, who was waiting on the list to get in. So Eric Durbin will be taking Jason, Jason's place. Then um, from the Philippines, we have two players. We have Warren Kiamko and Dennis Recoyo will be in. And i got to tell you, Dennis is playing some really solid eight ball right now. He played two long sets down in, in Missouri with a couple of players that were going to be in this event, and it was crazy. He, he just ran them over, really, not pretty much. And um, then uh, Danny Smith is going to be in, who's, who's been, uh, you know, winning all kinds of one-pocket matches here lately, playing a lot of big-money two-man tournaments. Um, Darren Appleton will be here. Uh, we all know Darren. And uh, Johnny Archer and Jesse Bowman, the bar table finale. Um, I didn't elaborate on Johnny Archer. I think his credentials go without mentioning. You know, he's a uh, you know, player of the decade in the, in the 90s, and he's still a force to be reckoned with. He's a really solid yeah, he, player. He, he's, uh, he's that old guy from uh, Georgia, right? Yes, you know, Johnny out of um, out of uh, Georgia. The old guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's got problems these days getting around the table. Uh. <laughs> I think I think I think he'll be fine actually. Um, and then out of Canada, we got John John Mora coming. Wow! And uh, John Mora, who's been who, who won three events in the, in the Canadian uh, Championships recently, and finished runner up at down at uh, Poplar Bluff in Missouri last weekend or two weekends ago. So, um, great, great field. And then the final player, Scott Frost, which you mentioned earlier, you know, will be there as well. So, uh, Scott, uh, you know, looking for a position on the Moscone Cup this year. And uh, uh, this is not a, not a point event, of course, but it's a chance to get a good payday for him. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I I don't think, well, I, don't, I, I can't say for sure, but I, I spoke to uh, Johnny Archer. Earlier today, we were uh, chit-chatting about one thing or another, and he's on his way, you know, uh, up there to you guys. And uh, I said, That's, that, that uh, event is no joke. He said, have you seen the list of players? He said, this is, this is amazing. He said, this isn't going to be easy at all for anybody. And right. uh, I'm not sure that he knew when he was coming up there if he'd seen the players or not, but, I mean, that is a... It's a a fantastic uh, uh, list of players for the fans. Now, here's, here's the question. Are you going to be able to, uh, because there's only 16 players, are you going to be a live stream every match or no? Now, we're only going to be uh, live streaming one. We'll have one feature match going all the time. We'll pick the, that match uh, throughout the weekend. And... Um, we don't currently film uh, any other tables right now, but uh, we will soon be uh, having cameras filming other tables for rebroadcast at a later time. But um, we only do one one table, and there's a reason for it. Um, and um, you know, we just uh, we want to keep uh, the incentive for the fans to come into the, to the room to have a greater experience. So I yeah. don't want to take that away. So, but we do plan on starting. That's all right. I yeah. never thought. I never thought about that aspect of it. I've always thought that with something like this, that being able to have just one table going at a time, uh, it it just be fantastic. Because you know, it, well, it's still going to be the same. I mean, you're still going to have every match you see is going to be a a, a real a class. We're going to mix it up. We're going to try to get everybody on the TV table that we can. You know, we're only going to have 
Uh, we're only going to have about seven matches total on uh, broadcast, so they'll all be good ones, and they'll all they'll all be different players. Right. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's a hell of a thing, though. Like I said, that's but I understand now when I, when I think about it, getting people coming into the pool room as opposed to staying at home and, and watching it. Uh, that's the only uh, thing that. Um, yeah, there just is no replacement for being there live. I mean, uh, right. I mean, you can interact with the with the, with the uh, these top players. Um, now, many of these fans have never met these players before. It's a chance for people up here in the in the Wisconsin area, you know, to come out and um, and meet their favorite players and right. uh, interact with them a little bit. I've been I've been up in that part of uh, the country, uh, down just a little bit south of where you are, a place called Racine and Sturgeon, man, and. That pool is big in my area right now. I mean, there's a lot of great pool fans out. Well, you know, part of, a big part of that, and the reason for that is you've got some really great room owners up here in this area here, and um, we're um, you know we're really excited to be up here and starting covering some of the uh, pool up here in Wisconsin. You know, uh, Dave Dave Cole is, uh, and, his, and his dad are awesome. They you know here at the Karam Room, and uh, in uh, in this October, we're coming up here again to cover another event with uh, Chris Knutson, who owns a um, big pool room in, uh, I think it's KK Billiards' is name, my first time there. It's up in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh, it's a really, really big room. We're excited for that. Right. Yeah, pool is, pool is huge up here. I, You know, I think, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I think I kind of skipped over uh, part of what we wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk about. The, the the game itself is eight ball. Uh, now it's a alternating break, uh, winter breaks, uh, cold. winter break format. Yes, winter break format. It's uh, we're going to be using the Delta thirteen racks on all the all the matches. Um, we'll also be using uh, Aramith tournament edition ball sets uh, provided by Aramith for all the t- all the, the the tables in the event. And cold shot. Uh, it, it is called pocket. So it'll be, um, it's, it's uh, take what you make. So whatever you make on the break, that's what you have to take. And from there, uh, it's real similar to BCA rules where you would have, uh, you know, fall in hand with fouls and call your pockets. Okay. So all, all ball fouls or just cue ball fouls? It would probably just cue ball fouls only. Dave and I really hadn't discussed that. I would like to see it go to all ball fouls on these events just because they're professional events. Right. But, um, a lot, you know, a lot of the fans are still used to cue ball fouls only. And, uh, you know, that's, that's our focus. We're, we're trying to make these events, uh, where they're friendly for the fans. We want the fans to enjoy themselves and have a good time sweating, uh, the top players. So. Right. That's what it's, that's what it's all revolves around. Now, how, how did this all come to happen? Right. I mean, I know from experience that events don't just pop up. They have to be cultivated and things like that. There has to be a willingness from a number of different people. Uh, how, how did it come to happen? Uh, this particular event or these big money events in, in general? This, this particular one. Yeah, this event here, uh, we had all just came from uh, the $2,000 entry uh, tournament down in Missouri, and we came up here for Dave Cole's uh, Fall Classic in August that he has every August. And 
Corey Duell was with us. He was Corey was really excited about the concept because of uh, the results we had down in Missouri, and um, he suggested to Dave Cole that he should try one with eight ball and take what you make. Well, Dave liked the idea, uh, and, you know, he and he knew that you know, Dave and I had already been working together, and he wanted to get involved in um, one of these type of events. So, um, you know, that's how it came about. Yeah, we, we put it together, and here we are. As in your opinion, because I think I've seen this a, a little bit um, more recently, and, and I, I like the idea of it. I think there's a, a lot of different ways to go, but that's a whole other uh, story, I guess. But do you think the 16 man with the high entry, do you think that's the the way to push forward? To uh, absolutely, absolutely, make, it's. Uh, yeah, 100%, without a doubt. And the reason is, and now it's also key and important that um, if we can have, we need to be having an amateur event or or a lower um, uh, event that more people can play on on the side in these. I think that's really important because we, we, we're putting an event together here that the fans love it. They love it online. They love coming in person. It's just a very popular event, but you know, the thing you get the fever when you sit there and start watching these top players playing nonstop. You want to go hit some balls, so um, you know to have a, a small, like maybe a forty dollar or a, or a Dave Cole wanted to do a two hundred dollar because he has a lot of uh, higher level players in like the shortstop level up here, and that's what he did, and he did a thirty two man uh, two hundred dollar tournament. So, um, you know, and it filled up immediately. And, um, I mean, we're we're experiencing things like having to be concerned about fire code on this type of events here and limiting the number of people in the building and that, and that type of thing. So, um, I mean, every, everybody benefits from this type of an event. Everybody. Uh, the fans love it. Uh, the people that are there love it. The pool room does well. Um, the, the sponsors get some really good coverage from people that spend money. And it's just a just a fantastic event all around. Yeah, I mean, uh, and uh, I, I can't say you say I want to say I'm surprised that there's uh, 16 players willing to put up 2,000 and their expenses and you know everything that goes along with playing in an event. Like that's a good point. I'm glad. I'm, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Mark. Um, you know, because that's a uh, you know it's it's not easy to do. I know I know a few others have tried putting these events together, and they're not that easy to put together. Okay. What, what uh, these are win these are win for the players also, and the, the reason they are is because these players are all sponsored in this tournament, so they all have a sponsor that is putting them in the tournament, that is paying their expenses here, covering their room, and then the players can um, can win a sizable amount still, splitting with their sponsors. So, you know, basically the, the, the players are getting a free roll essentially to a $1,000 tournament. And the sponsors, I mean, there's uh, how many players would you, would you say there are around the country here that would have a sponsor that would put them in two sets for $1,000 apiece? Boy, honestly, that's a, it's a good question. I, I can't even begin to try and figure. There's a lot. There's a lot of them. 
you know, there's a whole lot, and and uh, because it's not that much, and they got a shot at fifteen to twenty thousand dollar payday, and um, and even if they finish in the top twenty five percent of the top guys, they're still going to double their money with four thousand. So, you know, even after expenses, they're still netting a really good amount. They're going to have, you know, they're going to have. I mean, even if they finish fourth place, the players and the sponsors are still going to net near a thousand dollars or a little under. Well, you know what well, that—that's that, uh, that's good information because it's. Um, I was thinking in my own mind, you've really—I I mean, you still got to have a lot of talent. That's why you got so many of these good players playing in it because somebody's first of all got to uh, want to back them. I'm not sure I could get anybody back me in that tournament. So you've got—don't <laughs> laugh like that. It's not that unrealistic. Me, me either. Don't worry. Me <laughs> so we, uh, so to me, thinking, well, you got to put two grand up, plus you know, I, God knows that maybe a, another five hundred for expenses or more. Um, you've really got to go into this saying, I'm gonna, I've got, I can win. I've got to win this. I, I have the ability to win it. And Absolutely. there's a lot. There's a lot. Big net. I mean, Darren Appleton. I mean, you know, he's. Right. Uh, He's pretty hot right now. Well, um, well, these guys, these players, they want to be the best. I mean, I mean, they they want the money, they want the recognition, but they, but more than anything, they want to know who's the best player, and that's what these these tournaments will bring out the best player because it's a long race. Um, they got a chance at a really good payday, and um, you know, and they're playing winter breaks just like they do when they play their two man tournaments. Really yeah, there's no uh, there's no easy draw for anybody. That's that's the the thing. You, that's right. There's no easy draw all over this. Uh, and some, people, some people can be excited to watch. Some people ask me, well, why don't you why why 16? Why don't you enlarge the field and make it bigger? And the reason is because we cannot have any buys. We cannot. We will not go with 18 players or 24. Um, we have done one with with a few buys. We had eleven players at one in uh, in down in Mississippi, but um, it's much better with no buys because then you know one player is is only has to win two matches to get in the money, you know, or or a couple of players, you know, if they get if they get a couple of buys. So uh, we got we we've got to keep it full field. Full field is very important. Right. Well, I, like I said, I think it's going to be. Uh an exciting weekend. That's that's for sure. And there's going to be a lot of people who are uh, up there okay. who who are going to appreciate what's going on and being able to give them the opportunity to watch, like you said, that some of these people haven't seen them live uh, and yeah, been able to you know meet them and that kind of some of these guys. So it's going to be exciting. Now, let me ask you this: If you want to watch this event, it's uh, it starts when tomorrow night or Saturday. Starts tomorrow night at 6 p.m. You can get a pass on the homepage of PoolActionTV.com, and uh, the passes are right there below the video. Uh, we also have tech support, uh, live tech support available throughout the entire show. So if um, you know if someone's a little, you know not real comfortable with the computer or they're not sure you know, exactly how to do anything, we've got someone there to help the entire event. So and there and there will be things that come up. Uh, you know, it's the internet. Things are not perfect. Yeah, internet seems like it's strong enough out there. You brought your bandwidth and everything. 
Yes, we, we do. Uh, uh, Dave Coles has awesome uh, internet in his place, but we also carry, uh, we have a, a very solid redundancy plan. And uh, so we've got we've got backup multiple backups on on our, we carry our own internet with us, and we use it uh, we use it often actually. And, and what do, what does this run? Is there packages? Do you have to buy the whole package or buy the day? No. Uh, yeah, we have uh, we have a couple of passes. We have an event pass. Um, it's it's about twenty five bucks for the whole weekend, and uh, you you can come and go as you please. Uh, we also uh, have it per day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then we also do a pass just for the finals. And uh, the finals will start at 6 p.m. on, on Sunday. And uh, the, the finals pass, I only started a little early. So it, it's going to start about 5 p.m. So you can catch the end of, um, of a semifinal match and then still watch the finals after that. So those are discounts. Those are, uh, you know, you can get the uh, finals pass for about nine bucks. Uh, the Friday pass will include the both players' auctions, um, and I say both because uh, the, Dave also has the 32-man $200 tournament. They're going to do a players' auction for both of those, and those are quite popular up in this area. So, um, yeah, there's a whole lot of different ways to get involved. Awesome. Do you um, is before I let you go? Is there any uh, people that you want to thank uh, that have been instrumental in? I know these things. They don't just fall together. I, I, I know from experience, and there's a lot of people that, one way or another, are there. Yes, I got to give a shout out to uh, to Ivan Lee. Uh, you know, Ivan has been um, he's been behind me for a long time, and I really appreciate all of his support and insight into everything. Um, you know, he's always he's always been there, and uh, he, he's really great for the sport. You know, we're so lucky to have Ivan Lee around. Um, I, you know, I'd also like to give a shout out to uh, Greg Sullivan. You know, has also been uh, a very solid supporter for a long time. And uh, you know, we're playing on diamond tables all this weekend here. Um, and then uh, I, I'm closing, Mark. I'd like to mention also that we're doing another $2,000 entry one pocket tournament next month at Buffalo's Billiards, and it's already full. It's a full field as well. And uh, it's going to be raced to five on both sides. Very excited. Um, we're going to have uh, professional commentary for this event here, the eight-ball tournament. We'll have Larry Schwartz will be here, who has been a writer uh, for Billiard Digest for many years. Also wrote uh, the Winner's Guide to Eight-Ball, a book. So he's, going to be, he's going to be our lead commentary up here. We're also going to have uh, Christian Teal is going, going to be here for some commentary. And... Um, Myself, and then we'll we'll be having some of the players sitting in as well. And at Buffalo's Billiards, we're going to have Billy N. Cardone's going to come down to do some commentary, and Scott Rabin will be joining us for that. That's going to be exciting. Wow, and I, you know I like I like that little room there. I said that little room. It's not that little uh, Buffalo Billiards. Uh, that Metia, right? Met Metairie. Metairie, yes, Metairie, Louisiana, suburb of New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, it's a great Buff, Buff's a great owner. He's uh, he's just easy going, easiest guy you ever dealt with, and uh, really good for the players. Does a lot of things for the players around there, and you know all the big money action guys. That's their hangout. They love to hang out there. So it's, uh, something big is going to happen down in Metairie, that's for sure. Yeah, it's uh, that that will be a lot of fun, and uh, I'm sure uh, who you got? Uh, is it Joey A? Is from there, isn't he? Yes, Joey A. He'll be doing some commentary with us as well. Joey A. 
Uh, Joe Long, an attorney from Baton Rouge, is a big sponsor for that event. He's covering the rooms for all the players. And wow. So they don't have they don't have that expense there, and he's also adding a thousand to the prize fund as well. Wow, that's huge. That's awesome. You know, having people like that around doing doing those kind of things really makes it it really helps. Right. It, it helps get the 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 top level players there. You know, a lot of times you know sometimes it's not worth going to by the time you get done with expenses. Uh, uh, but in, in these particular cases with. 2,000 entries, I don't think that's going to be an issue. But I do well, a lot of down there, Buffalo Millions. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, and uh, especially at Buffalo's, but up here at uh, Caramoon as well, and the same for Missouri. All of these events here, if, if, if the player, if the sponsors bring a horse in and he doesn't do well with his $2,000 sets that they put up, well, there'll be not many of opportunities to play additional sets if they want. So they can, they can have, um, you know, they can have unlimited two-man tournaments at these. There's guys up here that they want to see them. So it's a good opportunity there as well for the players. Right. And the sponsors. Well, I, I tell you, I think I've... Uh, what was this first place pay? Uh, this one here in uh, Wisconsin? Yeah, 16000 is first, okay. and 10000 for second, uh, 6000 for third, and 4000 for fourth. That's 25% of the field. Right. That's, uh, that's decent money. Uh, you know, for a weekend's work, I guess, right? That's that's right. That's right. All of these also are uh, 100% payout. No fees. No uh, no green fees. No quarters. You know, this, they, they come in, and they play. Fabulous. Well, well done. Good job playing another one of these things together. And uh, hope everything goes smooth for you. And uh, thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure everybody who's going to be watching it one way or another is going to appreciate what you do as well. So, um, oh, it's going to be I, awesome. Yeah. I'll leave it at that and uh, appreciate the information, appreciate what you're doing, and uh, maybe I'll, uh, I, I, boy, I tell you what, I'd love to come down to that one there in uh, Louisiana. I just love it down there. It will take a lot of doing. I know you've uh, done some commentary with Nick Varner before. Uh, it it won't yeah. take a lot to get him down now because he loves that Draco's, uh, the charbroiled oh, oysters. Oh. You know, those are delicious. I, I'm not even an oyster fan, but uh, Joey A took me down there, and it was unbelievable. Really good. Yeah, he'll come down just for that. Say you'll buy him some oysters. He'll probably he'll probably spend a thousand just to come down there to do commentary if he thinks he's going to get a play of oysters out of it. Well, if he can get a free meal and a room out of the deal, we'll, Nick will be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, like I say, good luck to you. I know you're busy, and thank you for your All time. Right, come on. Hey, thank you, Mark. Appreciate everything you're doing. Take care, man. All right. Bye-bye. That's it. Big Truck Ray Hansen uh, talked about the event this uh, this weekend up there in uh, Beloit, Wisconsin at the Carambrum. CoolActionTV.com. Go there. You can get a pass if you can't make it in person. Um, I, I, I really think this is going to be a, a fun one to watch. So uh, if you get a chance, if you're not busy... You know, show some support for the for the industry and people who are out there trying to make it happen. I know it's not uh, I know it's not easy to get out there and, and do these things. Uh, you, you don't always come out the winner on them. On them. So um, that's it for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope we gave you some uh, information, gave you something to do this weekend if you didn't have anything planned. And so until next week, this is the Legends and Champions Report on American Billiard Radio. 
I am Mark Cantrell, and we have a special guest, Red Big Truck Handsome. Y'all have a great week. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of American Billiard Radio. I'm Mike Howerton with AZ Billiards. We're doing something a little different this week. I'm joined by a local Arizona player, Jeremy Gibbs. Jeremy, how are you doing today? Great, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Jeremy is the, the person who came up with the Saguaro Cup, which we had here in Phoenix last weekend. Uh, very, very unique event. Jeremy, can you tell us a little bit about the Saguaro Cup? Sure. Um, you know, there's the Phoenix pool scene is has always had a bit of a East-West rivalry, um, you know, for years. And I know that in the past there's been a couple attempts to try to put something together to, you know, uh, kind of have an East-West type battle. Um, but I don't think it ever came to fruition. And um, the basic idea behind the Saguaro Cup was to create a Moscone Cup-themed uh, event, uh, which pitted the West Side players against the East Side players and stick to the Moscone uh, traditional format with the, you know, the nine-ball race to f- uh, team event first and then race to five, uh, scotch doubles, uh, singles, scotch doubles, and so on and so forth, and then some singles matches in a race to 11 total points. So we, we tried to keep it as close to Moscone as we could um, and to kind of honor that tradition and then also to kind of create this, uh, I guess, create create a rivalry and, uh, you know, it, it really blew up a lot bigger than I thought it would. Now, when people outside of Arizona think about Arizona pool, their mind immediately goes to the Scott Frosts and the Mitch Ellermans of the world, but you guys had a slightly different format where it wasn't necessarily the 10 absolute best players in the state. Uh, how did you choose your players? Um, well, that was kind of a selfish, uh, selfish point of view, I guess, that led me down to that decision because the whole idea came into my head when, um, when I was uh, playing a match and watching a match when uh, Donald, Don, uh, Donald uh, Mangahas, who's an East Side player, was playing against Ben Sutherland, who was a West Side player. They were playing... Uh, I think it was a thousand dollar set, and um, I ended up matching up with another West Side player, and uh, we were all nines, right? Uh, state Arizona State rating nine, and um, after that was all done, uh, that's when the initial idea hit me that you know nine, playing nine speed is a you know you're 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 a decent player, um, but you're not you know you're not semi pro or anything like that, but you know as far as the Arizona pool community goes you know, you're up on the higher echelon, so to speak. Um, and what I was thinking is watching these nines play, I was watching some great pool and playing some great pool. And I thought to myself, man, I would like to take the five best nines from the east side and I get, put them up against the five best nines in the west side. 
and I was actually telling uh, Donald and a couple other people outside of Skipping Jams that night about it. You know, I was like, you know, can we put together five guys that could take on their nines? And at that, you know, that's kind of the, that's where the, I guess the brainchild started is because I'm a nine and, you know, a lot of really good friends of mine are nines. That's where it kind of started is, well, let's take on their five best nines and see what we can do. And then, um, and then it kind of evolved because when I went on spring break and I took my kids up to Flagstaff, I seemed to have my best ideas when I'm on vacation. <laughs> and my idea was, well, you know, nines are great, but wouldn't it be cool to add one, one open player just to kind of bring that, uh, that skill set, A, to it, but also bring maybe kind of that leadership role where, you know, you can have an open player. It could be Scott Frost or it could be a Bobby Emmons or it could be a Mitch Ellerman, all those guys. Um, but what they would bring to not only the other five nines that were on the team in terms of leadership and things like that, but also as far as a crowd is concerned or the fans are concerned, uh, they obviously they would love to see, you know, a Mitch Ellerman or a Scott Frost on the team. And so um, I had already kind of embedded in my head that I wanted the five nines to play against the five nines um, because I had a pretty good idea of, who they thought their best nines were. And and then um, when I was in Flagstaff, that's when I had the idea of, okay, let's bring an open player too and see if we can make this kind of a, a, a little bit more unique. And so um, that's when I posted on Arizona uh, Pool Players on the Facebook page when I was in Flagstaff. That's when I posted the whole thing to start. I said, you know, this is my idea, and I'm nominating these two captains to pick the teams, and you get one open player and five nine players, so a six-player team total. And that's kind of where it all started, right there. And and you mentioned that it it kind of blew up. Um, I showed up at the event late, and it was a madhouse. I can only imagine <laughs> what it was like earlier in the day. Can you describe it for for people? Yeah, um, it really did blow up, and I think you know a lot of that's attributed to. Uh, social media. I mean, now that we have, you know, Facebook and we have groups and things like that, that we can, you know, pool players have never been able to keep in touch with each other like they can nowadays. And there's so much information out there that's at the tip of your finger on your smartphone or on your PC. And it's just right there. And so I think, um, when I, when I made that original post within, I want to say a day and a half, two days, there was over 300 comments on it. So right then and there, I knew that people had interest in it um, in terms of the fans, not only the, the fans or the players, but the fans were also intrigued by it. So um, that's what led me to, well, I wonder if I could offer a sponsorship package and keep it really cheap just because, you know, we, we, don't, we don't want local businesses shelling out a ton of money for something that maybe they wouldn't get a return on their investment. So um, my idea was, well, I'm going to make a $250 uh, sponsorship program where if you pay $250, we'll print you up a, a board that can be seen and we'll get it live streamed and, um, you know, we'll make some flyers, we'll make some shirts. And, we'll just, and it was all because of basically social media and the feedback that I was getting from everybody um, who was very interested in it. Um, and then... You know, we had we had a bunch of sponsors step forward and do it, and that was great. Um, that money, we were able to buy a really nice Seguel Cup trophy, um, really nice team shirts, uh, phenomenal team shirts, 
and then a bunch of fan shirts and, and we printed some flyers and poster boards and things like that. So with all of that, as it started building up and I started putting more and more time into it and less time on my, my normal job, which is <laughs> not good, but, uh, eventually, um, it, it, there was so much hype around it that when it actually happened the day of the event, um, there was thousands of dollars in side action going back and forth. Um, there was tons of people there and so it, it was very reminiscent. I mean, on a smaller scale, of course, but to, to Moscone. And I think that's the beauty of team events is that, um, the team events, when you have a crowd like that, and as you probably saw, if you were there late, you know, the later it gets, obviously the rowdier they get. And, you know, there was cheers and there was, uh, you know, probably I'd say over a hundred people just standing around sweating this thing and cheering. And every game was a cheer, you know, every nine ball that dropped, whether it was East side or West side, granted the East side got a little bit louder cheers because obviously we're on, we had a little home field advantage, but every nine ball that dropped, there was cheers from the crowd. Um, there was high five and, and, you know, that dynamic, that team event dynamic, uh, it, it's 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 really fascinating. It's fun to watch. Well, everybody who was there definitely looked to be having a good time. Um, <laughs> when things got started, you now it was a race to eleven. The East Side team seemed to take complete control. You guys were up like what seven seven two seven three something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were. We started out really hot out of the gates, and. Um, yeah, and then that didn't last long. I mean, that, that's what happens in these team events. I mean, you see it on Moscone all the time. You even see it in golf in the Ryder Cup. You see streaks, you know, and um, and that's what's the, the beauty of team events is that once you get on that streak, um, it really pumps your teammates up, and, you know, uh, you can see kind of the the other team's head, heads go down a little bit. You know, their, um, their team is in disarray while your team is organized and clicking and stuff, and, um, and yeah, the West side, uh, they started out slow, but then they just, they clicked and, um, they caught up to us and, and then ended up winning that, uh, that, that first event, the team event, I think it was 11 to nine, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the score comes back to eight, eight, they make a huge comeback. They've got all the momentum on their side and you're up to play at eight, eight. I mean, what was that like? Um, you know, just the whole, I really wasn't paying that close attention to the score because I typically don't do that when I'm playing that type of game. Um, I try to, I try to focus more on, uh, just playing me playing the table and not really worrying about that too much. Um, I, I'll tell you what it was like playing though, just kind of in general. Um, the, the fact that there's cameras on, there's three different cameras that are focused on you you know, and you see those in, in, the, in the background and then you see, just a row of faces in the background looking at you. Um, it, it definitely changes um, kind of your, your mental aspect of it because um, you definitely feel a lot more pressure. I think in the first team events, that first couple games, and um, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't I win that game when it was tied 8-8? You did, yeah. Okay. okay cause I, I don't think I lost the game in the team event, but um, I, I, I can't remember them all. Um, but yeah, I remember the even the very first game, um, feeling some shakes in my back arm for sure. And, uh, and I'm, and I've played in quite a big, quite a few big events, um, even national events and things like that. But, 
uh, never quite had that feeling. So it, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. Now you mentioned earlier the sponsors. How many sponsors did you bring on? Well, we had um, we had ten sponsors. Uh, Counting Skip and Jams. Skip and Jams added. Uh, added the money to the tournament so they didn't necessarily come on you know in terms of the formal sponsorship program but they did more than enough and were gracious enough to to add that uh, $600 to make it a $3,000 pot for the winning team so um, and then we had uh, like I said another uh, 10 uh, 2, 4, 6, 8 yeah 10 sponsors that actually um, stepped up and did the sponsorship program and uh, and those were all local small businesses. Uh, most, I guess, all of them affiliated with pool in some way or another. Most of them are small business owners that play pool on a regular basis. And um, like Robin Clark, for example, is a local player here. He owns a or he's a manager um, of a printing company called uh, Pressure Sensitive Products. And they're the ones that, you know, stepped up and printed the billboards for us, uh, for all the sponsors. And, uh, you know, he was gracious enough to do that and pay the $250 to go towards the, um, towards all the uh, other things that we had to buy. So um, it, it, it's really amazing to see 10 different small businesses. And, and that was literally in probably uh, maybe two weeks max, maybe 10 days from when I offered that program and people jumped on. So um, it was, I think it brought the whole pool community a little bit, kind, kind of caught everyone off guard because who knew that, you know, there was this many businesses that wanted to step up and support this inaugural event that's never happened before. And so it was, it was really neat to, to kind of see that uh, those businesses step forward. And really, the entire event came together pretty quickly. I mean, what was the time frame from the initial post on Facebook to breaking the first rack at the event? <laughs> it did. It did. Um, I'm trying to think exactly when. I was actually thinking about that before I was um, going to talk to you because I wanted to remember when I was in Flagstaff. And I know it was on my son's spring break, which I think was... Um, was like the first week in March, um, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but yeah, we, uh, and, and that's what I wanted too. I wanted something that was going to happen pretty quickly because at that time I didn't think it was obviously going to be as big as it turned out to be. So I was more thinking this was just going to be a fun kind of a, you know, not just kind of a fun event that we would do that the players would put, you know, we're just going to put 200 bucks in, let's get it on, that kind of thing. Um, and so I wanted it to happen pretty quick because it was fresh in my mind. And um, and then when it started blowing up, I honestly, that's when I started scrambling. And I wish I would have had more time now. But going forward, you know, now that this, we, we've made it, we're going to make this an annual event. And um, going forward now, um, uh, I definitely will do a better job in, in preparing and planning things out and, uh, you know, all the logistics behind everything. And and what are your plans for next year? <laughs> well, um, I, like, I like the idea that the captains of each team every year will nominate, uh, will, will pick the captains for the following year prior to the tournament starting. 
and the new captains cannot be anyone affiliate or on that current team. Um, and I like that because um, you know it gets some fresh faces in there, and people that didn't get didn't maybe didn't get to play on this this year's event can you know start with their own team next year. As far as the format goes, um, I'm, I definitely want to keep it the same as uh, in terms of you know the Moscone Cup uh, flavor. But as far as the handicaps go. Um, I would like to, you know, we're going to have a meeting with the captains of uh, this particular year and then next year, the new captains coming on, Ryan Anderson and uh, Eric Nordstrom. Um, we're going to meet, all of us meet and kind of discuss, you know, a, a handicap system for next session. And there's been some ideas thrown around, um, you know, but nothing's been finalized yet. But I think it's going to change a little bit. I think we're going to... Um, you know, there might, you might see a lo- you might see a lower rated player uh, be in next year's Saguaro Cup, um, and you might even see a female. As, you know, we're throwing those ideas around, trying to um, trying to make it, uh, you know, an event where we can attract the whole pool community. Um, because I think when I started this, again, not knowing that it would be this big, the biggest not complaints, but kind of feedback that I got from people were. You know, why can't there be a, a seven or eight rated player? Why can't there be a female on the team? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and you know, obviously it's the first event and I, couldn't, I can't please everyone. But I think keeping, you know, keeping it at nines and tens, um, I think those players really attract the fans. And I think when you put it on the stream and you have someone like POV Pool doing it, who's got 11,000 followers, um, you know, they want to see, you know, nine, ten speed players playing. Um, so, and, you know, that's, that was kind of my mentality. And that's kind of what I told some people is, you know, if there's another event that can take place and it's a seven and eight thing, um, you know, by all means, um, someone else organize it. But, um, <laughs> but as far as next year's, yeah, I think we're going to, you know, we, we threw the idea of, you know, maybe, Maybe you have some open players. Maybe you have some nines, and then maybe you have one eight and one female. Maybe um, we, you know, that's that's been tossed around, but nothing's been finalized. Um, we won't know anything probably for at least another month or two when we have this captains meeting. Kind of start laying some groundwork on what it's going to be, and then um, and then start recruiting. Well, I mean, I really have to applaud you. You know, from from coming up with the idea. You know, a lot of people have ideas, but you know, how many ideas just kind of die on the vine and, and they're never really followed through on. But I mean, you followed through in a big way and the Arizona pool community came together in an even bigger way to help support the event. Um, how, I mean, let's say somebody's listening to this interview and they think, huh, you know, the, the Hawaii pool scene might be fun to try something like this. Uh, I mean, do you have anything to say to other people who might want to try to do something like this? Well, I mean, I think it comes down to, you know, it, it, it's just life in general, man. If you if you want to do something right, you want to do it, you, you have to uh, just take initiative. You know, and my whole thing was I wanted to hammer down a date, and I wanted to have the rules all in place before I even posted anything. And so... I, I didn't go into it saying, you know, what do you guys think about this? Um, give me some, you know, I went in there and said, this is what I have in mind, and these are my captains that I'm nominating if you guys want to accept the role, and here's the format. 
and let's pick a date. And I threw some dates out there. And I think, you know, just like anything, I mean, if, if you put a plan together um, and you stick to that plan um, and you get it out there on social media and you create some hype, then it all falls into place. I mean, it, ideas are ideas until you put a plan together and actually, you know, because I had so many people on that initial post saying, why can't you do this, do this format, do this format? And my reply was always the same. The format's already been decided. This is what the event's going to be. Let's, let's pick a date now, okay? And let's pick some players. So, you know, that's kind of the biggest problem I think the pool community runs into is that, especially with social media, man, I mean, there's so much, uh, there's so many people that want to contribute, you know, and that's fine. But if you're, if you expect this event to actually come to fruition and make it happen, then, you know, there's, there's gotta be a, uh, there's gotta be a baseline at some point where, you know, here's what it is and let's move forward. Let's get a date. And I don't want to hear any more, you know, talk on feedback and stuff. We'll, we'll talk about it for next year. This is just the first event and we can always improve on it. We know that I know that. And so, but let's go through this first under this first event underway, make it happen. Let's make it big. And then we'll start working on improvements after that. Well, you definitely did. I can't even imagine where you would go from here to improve it. But I want to congratulate you on a great event. Uh, thank you for taking a little bit of time for us today. Thank you, Mike. And I want to say a thank you for everything that you do. You're a huge asset to the pool community. And uh, we love having you around. <laughs> Thanks. All right, Jeremy, I'll let you get back to it. Thanks for spending a little bit of time with us. That's everything we've got today, everybody. Uh, Stay tuned next week. We'll have another interview for you. I don't know who yet, but it should be interesting. Thanks. Thanks, Mike.